0: Not only did he have a relationship with the government, but he had a role in the FBI. In this world, you look
1: out for number one.
0: You, with any people,
1: take that oath to the grave. These guys are on the streets, so they're involved in, in hustling.
0: All right, welcome back into the Original Gangsters podcast. I'm Scott Bernstein, along with my colleagues, Jimmy Bucciolato. Hello. And Roberto Bochein, our producer. Um, today is uh, second week of uh, December ni- uh, 2019, and we're going to hearken back 34 years and discuss the very high profile, very impactful um, gangland assassination of the Gambino crime family Don Paul Castellano, which took place on December 16th, 1985, and really changed the face of organized crime in America. Uh, it was a real watershed moment, um, kind of brought... Uh, the American mob uh, into, you know, maybe the, the final vestige of its golden years, uh, the beginning of the end, if you will, was the uh, December 1985 mob assassination of Paul Castellano. We're going to dive in and give it a little context and and talk about it, uh, uh, you know, both looking back and looking forward. Outside of Jimmy Hoffa, yeah. it's probably the, 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 the most infamous uh, mob hit of the last. 50, 60 years.
1: It was very high profile in front of Barks Steakhouse, which is in downtown Manhattan, and so it was. Uh, it was around what dinner time, five, six o'clock, rush hour, Christmas season, holiday season. A lot of um, eyewitnesses, and so it just really it goes against traditional mafia protocol, which is um, keep things on the down low. So if you if you're going to kill someone, um, keep it quiet, make the body disappear. This was the exact opposite of that. This was like. An old school, like
0: 1930s <laughs> prohibition type of very public, very high profile. And that was by design. Yeah. And I, I think the terminology they use in the underworld, in the mob, is that it was cowboy style. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, this particular mob murder and the, the infamy that followed uh, propelled the Dapper Don, the Teflon Don, John Gotti, Uh, the most recognizable mob name of the 20th century that's not Al Capone. And uh, the Castellano murder was orchestrated by Gotti and then propelled Gotti to power. Uh, He became the most um, respected, powerful uh, mob don in America uh, from 1985 until when he was put in prison in 1991 or 92, Gotti and Gravano were on the scene. Right. Gravano being Sammy the Bull Gravano, uh, who was one of the co-conspirators and was um, uh, John Gotti's consigliere and then his underboss. Um, they were there watching, making I sure that
1: they walkie-talkies, right? the
0: uh, they were in? A, they were in a car um, separate from. From the hitters, and they mm-hmm. were in contact with the hitters via a walkie-talkie, I believe.
1: So I, I think one thing we want to do is, is talk about not only the high-profile nature of it. I mean, he, Castellano was gunned down. Uh, how many times? I'm not sure how many how many slugs he, he received. And his bodyguard, his bodyguard Tommy Bellotti. Uh, who had
0: then become his underboss as well, Tommy right. Bellotti was also killed uh, point-blank range. Right. Uh, they were pulling up for a a, a a mob sit-down dinner party at Sparks with other. Uh, members of the Gambino administration. Frankie DiCicco, maybe? Yeah, Frankie DiCicco was there. I believe Jimmy brown Thalia was there. And then one of the co-conspirators was there as well, tipping the the hit team outside about what was, uh, you know, that, that Castellano was on his way to this dinner meeting, and they got him as he was coming out of the car. Um, and then as Bilotti got out of the front seat of the car to try to combat the, the hitters, he was then hit. So you have two bodies sprawled out.
1: And the so middle of Times Square, sw- in Right. Much, and then, uh, right. The middle, middle of
0: Manhattan, Manhattan. In, in, during the the you know rush, rush hour traffic Christmas. at the peak of Christmas shopping season.
1: <laughs> right. So not only was it high profile, but also particularly violent. But also, I think it's important to po- point out uh, this was not some uh, uh, you know nickel and dime wise guy. Uh, Paul Castellano was the boss of Both the bosses. Gambino crime family, mm-hmm. arguably the most powerful mob. Uh, mafia don in New York at the time. I guess Gigante. It, it, it's a debate, but yeah, I but think he was the head. he, he was, was the head of the commission. Yes, at that right, point, right. And he was, very, was the, so the, the, the board
0: of directors for right. the National let's Mafia.
2: Right. there. Who is he, and how did he get to that point?
0: So Paul Castellano um, was really the 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 quintessential boardroom racketeer. Um, Maybe the first one Maybe of the first it, the that first that blue
2: collar or no, white, white collar. collar.
0: Um, He he benefited from uh, who he married. He married the um, sister sister of Carlo Gambino, who was one of the most revered mob dons in American history, Uh, led the Gambino crime family from the 1950s to when he died uh, peacefully in his own bed um, in 1976. Um, And the the machinations of the Castellano murder were really... Um, put into action pretty quickly after Gambino passed away. They just, you know, it took nine years for, for it all to come to a head. But tension started boiling pretty early after Gambino died. Um, Neil De La Croce was Carlo Gambino's underboss and was a beloved figure in the mafia, someone that, uh, I, you know, I talk about the the, the holy trifecta of the underworld, um, beloved, respected, and feared. And, you know, a lot of times you can hit two of those three. But when you hit three of those three, um, you, you know, it, it, what's in the cards for you uh, can, can, can take you very, very high up the mountaintop. Neil DeLaCroach was the underboss to, to Gambino. A lot of people assumed that he was going to be the heir apparent. Um, and a lot of people were very upset when he wasn't named the heir apparent. Uh, and Paul Castellano got the nod from Carlo Gambino on his deathbed. And uh, at that point, the the family really split between blue-collar and white-collar. Castellano representing the white-collar wing and, and De La Croce uh, representing the blue-collar wing. And De La Croce was John Gambino. or well, De La Croce was uh, John, Gotti. John Gotti's mentor. Uh, mentor, one of his mentors. So... The blue-collar guys like Della Croach,
1: his guys are uh, drug traffickers, truck hijackers, uh, gambling, loan sharking, uh, extortion. And um, Castellano is uh, uh, construction rackets. Also extortion, but more like um, Wall Street kind of stuff. Um, owning, uh, what was he? Who's a he poultry? Was, yeah, <laughs> he was a. a well, he he was
0: a butcher. Right, yeah, right, well, he was very right. close to Frank Perdue. Right, and Paul right. Castellano, you know, as a young man, was a butcher. Right. So that's he was right. someone that was big into the wholesale meat market.
1: Right. So um, uh, the garment industry. Tommy Gambino had interest in the garment industry.
0: Carlo Gambino's son.
1: Right. So the um, I think that's. Um, uh, so the, it's not only in terms of style and techniques, but the actual rackets, there's a difference between what Castellano was involved in. And, uh, and there's a kind of, uh, I think that rubbed the blue collar yeah. guys the wrong way is that Castellano was disingenuous t- t- to the extent that he, he looked down on those blue collar guys, but he had no problems taking envelopes full of cash. <laughs> From from Delacroix's guys from hijacking and, and, and drugs he, he and really like that. He really
0: alienated himself from the street, which right. was something that Carlo Gambino never did. Right. Uh, Castellano moved into a, a, a residence in Staten Island. Uh, I believe it was the Staten The Island. White House. Was it Long Island?
1: I think it was uh, Staten Island. Tot well,
0: Hill. Tot Hill, which was known as the White House. Um, he was someone that was not accessible. Right. Someone that was not... Uh, a man of the people, right. the way DelaCroix was, or the way that John Gotti became. Right. And well, let's be
2: honest, though, is that probably at the end of the day is a smart move. I mean, it got. Him but developed. it's a but it's a deli- but it's a <laughs> delicate right. it's a
0: delicate balance, though. Right. You can be smart and be insulated, but still right. be respected you and and ha- and have your finger on the pulse.
1: Right. You can you can be um, uh, sort of keeping a low profile, but I, I don't think that was so much the problem. It Was Keeping a low profile, combined with a kind of condescension <laughs> that he had, the snubbing his nose, snubbing his nose. right, right. That that's what I think. In addition to his, you know, isolating himself, uh, I think got him in trouble. Was also his his attitude. And, he, the Blue and I guys. think he
0: was also actively trying to remake the crime family in his own mold. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was yes. It was the the the. Attitude that he took towards the the blue collar rank and file, but it was also kind of like, well, if you're not fully diversified, if you're not following my lead and trying to be a boardroom gangster, you're stupid, right? And you don't deserve the respect that that others do. And a, as a result, he you know, he isolated himself from some very popular, powerful, dangerous people in his family, namely Gotti. And he, I think, he viewed himself as a um uh, paul
1: Castellano did not think of himself as a gangster mm-hmm. and that that rubbed some of those guys the wrong way like you think you're better than like just because you're uh, you know ripping people off uh through white collar crimes um so i think that was part of the the attitude that that got him in trouble
0: he wasn't someone though that was afraid to push a button on a guy no. i mean he killed i believe his a uh, son-in-law for for mistreating that's his right. daughter. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. Uh, um uh, Roy DeMeo's
0: crew. And he he assigned he it to Roy DeMeo's crew, yeah. right?
1: Um, and also Castellano. In fairness, I mean, in his youth, he did. I mean, he uh, he. I mean, he was a uh, you know involved in prohibition era crimes, and he he was um, I mean, he was
0: a big, and he was a big guy. Yes, I mean, he right. was a uh, uh, right. He he was a, a physically imposing yeah, right. character when he
2: was, in his seventies. said yeah. he was right, a yeah. big, big guy big Paul. Yeah,
1: that's why they called him Big Paul. So in his youth, I mean, I, I think he was he had street
0: cred as a gangster. They called him the Pope, but it was kind of in right. condescension.
1: Right, but as he as he as he um, was um, older and became more powerful, he it, it definitely it, it became the it, it was changing. He did not consider himself a street gangster. Anymore.
0: So, so the, the the really the tipping point I would say in this delicate balance between blue collar and white collar that tipped against Castellano was well was one incident was a big drug bust that took place uh, I believe in '82 or '83 that included uh, Angelo Ruggiero who was John Gotti's best friend mm. and I believe John Gotti's brother uh, Gene Gotti mm-hmm. who was also a made member of the mob. And Castellano had been very vocal when he took power uh, that he did not want his men dealing drugs, didn't want them involved in the narcotic racket. But as Jimmy said, um, he was hypocritical yes, because he 100%. would still take drug money right. from people he knew were dealing drugs but were smart enough about it to not brag about it or you know insulate themselves through buffers and middlemen. Um, but when Gotti's crew... Although not John Gotti himself, when Gotti's crew took a big uh, heroin bust, there were, first of all, the concerns from the Castellano camp that you had a uh, a crew of, of mobsters underneath his thumb that were going against his his non- uh, narcotic uh, edict. But you also had a uh, a series of FBI recordings where allegedly, you had members of the Gotti crew besmirching Castellano's reputation. Right. Uh, talking shit about Castellano. Uh, bad-mouthing him. Yeah, saying resentment. that he was a, uh, an incompetent Don. Right. Um, and Questioning his manhood. Right. Questioning <laughs> uh, the <laughs> relationship that he had with, uh, with his, his maid. maid. He right. had a uh, Hispanic his maid, maid that he was... <laughs> Uh, engaging in a, a extramarital affair with, and also allegedly had undergone some type of penile implant <laughs> to help him uh, right. con- consummate that relationship. <laughs> right. And the rumors kind of filtered out to the street, and as Jimmy just said, uh, they started to question his manhood. Uh, and then there became this tug of war for access to those tapes. Right. And Castellano was demanding the Ruggiero-Jean Gotti legal team to hand over the tapes uh, that would be available during uh, just a normal discovery uh, aspect of a, of a federal racketeering drug case. And there were then further tape recordings that were made uh, in, in um, Angelo Ruggiero's house. He would use his, his teenage daughter's phone thinking that uh, know, wasn't he wasn't using the main line in his house. He was using a loved, separate loved, line. The talks. We had a nigga Yeah, day. and we called him quack quack. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ruggiero was on those tapes talking to Neil de la and talking to John Gotti saying, if... Castellano gets his hands on the other tapes, the tapes that had We're come dead. from that yeah. from that case, he's going to hear us talking shit about him and he's going to kill us all. We have to do whatever we can to prevent the tapes so from getting into his now hands.
2: Now you're in a position where it's kill or be killed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and if I could just walk something back here, because it's something I have a, a, a research interest in, is the, the drug dealing aspect of it. And I think when Castellano and those bosses would say, don't deal drugs, what they really meant was, don't, get, don't deal drugs and get caught. <laughs> and and that was the problem that because we know that Castellano was close with the Sicilian faction of the Gambino crime family who were uh, prolific drug traffickers who were Gambinos and, I mean
0: not, actually, not just part of the Gambino crime right, family their, they that were, was right they, their last they came name. from the the, the, the Gambino <laughs> bloodline
1: right they were actually related to Paul Castellano and he knew he knew very well that they were that they were major drug traffickers um but um that he never <laughs> questioned that so it was more about these guys are already a pain in my ass <laughs> Delacroix's guys, and now they get busted. You know, dealing drugs with you know. And I said, I don't like that crew being involved in drugs. So, but just I, I think it, it's it's there's like nuances that I think are interesting. When we talk about, but he crap, also you know. saw
0: Gotti as a potential. Well, he was a rival, but you know, I think he. It was twofold. It was yes, you're uh, going against my edict, and mm-hmm. yes, you're talking shit about me on tapes. But it's also you're a threat to my power, right? And I need to remove you right b- before that threat, you know, spreads. Right. And, and I think that if if going back
1: to the politics of it, and I think that's really interesting as well as when Croach was passed over, um, if he wanted to, he could have gone to war. Yeah. And maybe one—I don't know—it's a debate whether or not because Costellano had some tough guys in his well, own he was in an his old own. And
2: he accepted his. Well, that's what I
1: think is interesting. And that, is, goes, he, that goes to and he was a
2: true soul, old school, a
1: stickler, yes. right?
0: Stickler for the rules.
1: That's right. right, right. So his thing was, I may not like it, but the boss is the boss, and that's what he says. And so, and because he he had to talk his guys down, guys like Gotti who are hot to, to ah, go to yeah, war, go to war over this,
0: he had to talk them down. That yeah, and you know, so everything really. Um, another turning point was the 1982 plane crash that killed Salvatore Ruggiero, who was Angelo's brother, who was right. the kingpin. I forgot about that. Yeah. He was the kingpin of that whole drug operation that the Gotti crew was uh, involved in. When he died, things kind of, you know, fell to Angelo Ruggerio, who wasn't as good of a right a racketeer or a drug dealer. Yeah. And in the next year, I think the bust happened. Um, so at that point. You had a lot of different pieces, uh, a lot of moving pieces here. And you had Gotti and Ruggiero going to Delacroach asking him for permission to you know put together a palace coup and murder Castellano and Delacroach stopped it. No. That's right. That's right. Who had the most to gain?
1: Yeah. And he still stopped it because of the, the They were rules. saying, well, let's kill him and make you boss. <laughs> right. That's
0: right. Fast right, forward to, to the right. fall of 1985. Right. Right. Um, if you can look up the date, I believe it was October or November of 1985. Neil De La Croce passes away peacefully in his own bed. Um, and... For whatever reason, Paul yeah, Castellano. December 85. So it was. Yeah. So it was, we're talking about. Yeah. He died and then weeks. within a couple weeks.
1: That. Right. That's right.
0: So yeah. what, what yeah. really uh, did not bode well for Paul Castellano and that upset the rank and file, specifically Gotti, was that Castellano, for whatever, uh, whatever reason, decided to skip the funeral, skip the wake. Um, this was his underboss. And wow. this was a guy that was beloved.
2: Do you guys see that? Because he was under indictment. There was, there was, uh, that was his. That
0: was his excuse, right?
2: Do you agree with that or do you disagree with that? If you're in his position, do you go out of? Respect? You gotta
0: go. You gotta go.
1: You gotta go. I mean, I think today the, the he, he wouldn't go and there wouldn't be any problems.
0: But back then, you it meant you something. you it meant something. You yeah. It was a go. snub. It was perceived as a snub right. and a further fuck you to the white collar or sorry oh, to the, the blue, blue collar uh, faction of the family, and uh, that was what. Really, then fast tracked. Um, well, in addition to Jelly Coach being out of the way and, and them not getting any resistance in their plot, but then just by the, the, that snub at the funeral, sent everything um, you know uh, into overdrive, and, and Gotti then began to uh, um, circle the circle the wagons. And rally the horses, and got a number of capos and administrators behind his his decision to uh, to pull off the. But assassination. also something I think it's
1: important to point out is this works both ways. If Della Croce was keeping Gotti from killing Castellano, Della Croce was keeping Castellano from killing from killing yeah, Gotti. No so so once Della Croce is deceased, it becomes a matter of who's going to pull the trigger yeah, first. But you know, you, know, both sides. you right. know
0: what though? I I think there's elements of truth to what Jimmy just said, but I also think that even if Della Croce would have lived, let's say Della Croce would have lived another 5 years, I believe that Castellano would have moved on Gotti. In fact, I believe Castellano probably would have moved on Gotti in the next six months.
1: If Castellano decided he wanted to kill Gotti, I, I agree. Uh, Della Croce, he would have gone along with that. was part of our thing of saying he, he followed the rules. I, I, I think I should have been more clear. Della Croce was running interference for Gotti. He yeah. knew Castellano, and Della Croce would go to Castellano and say, here's why you shouldn't. No, I thought you shouldn't I do that. I think that was, and then
0: that, <laughs> was, that was holding weight. Yes, I'm saying right, I think right, right. things are reaching such a boiling point by that by that uh, yeah, late like, 1985, whether or not Delacroce died or not, right. Castellano was going to try to hit Gotti in the next couple probably, months. Probably, Another, I agree. One
2: thing in this, I think is the, uh, is the location, a lot of the stuff. I love the fact that, you know, Neil uh headquarters was the Ravenite social. In Little Italy. In Little Italy. In Little Italy john Gotti, you know after everything that happens took that over and, and, and used that as a sign of respect and that was something that paul castellano said as soon as neil dies we break that up that's done
1: right which which had symbolic value as right. well as for whatever political reasons uh he wanted to do this. And that ended
2: up being one of the biggest known probably the biggest mob Social club
1: ever.
0: So for it's interesting that to, or Gigante's triangle in, in Greenwich Village
1: to pick up where, where Scott what left off. I think it's interesting. A lot of people now say, "Oh God, he he wasn't very smart. He he he, you know, led the the crime family into uh, decline, whatever." Disarray. Which I'm, I am th- and as our uh, we had an episode where we interviewed Michael Francis, where he he challenges that. By the way, and I I tend to agree with him that I think it's more complicated than that. But um, it's interesting if if you don't take Gotti seriously, think about his. Uh, skills as a politician and his charisma that he was able to pull identify, that pull that off. Those weren't guys that he was tight with. Gravano, at to that close point. With, he wasn't that's, close with Gravano. That's right, that's right. People forget
0: that. that he wasn't,
1: took a chance on that. You right. know what, that's
0: part of the mythology that you know gets it wrong, that this idea that Gravano and Gotti were best friends. Right. I remember right. reading right. The, the Gravano book and expecting to to, to read about yeah. this long relationship they had, and then right. you, you learn yeah. that they really they knew each other on a very uh, you know con, they were contemporaries in the Stein sure. family. They sure. knew they knew who each other were, but they represented different parts of the city. That's right. Uh, uh, Gravano was in Queens, I believe, and Gotti was in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't really become close or really have any extended conversations until the months leading up to right, but that, but that's the Castellano. Gotti was yeah.
2: uh, a genius in the fact that he. He could tell who was disgruntled.
1: Yes, no, that's that, that's for I me. Mean. I think we should give Gotti some credit here, maybe in a devious way, but but right, he was able to identify. He he knew that um, uh, he wasn't just going
0: in cold. He knew that, that there's a chance these guys are going to go guys for this.
2: Getting their fair shot, right,
0: right. yeah, And look about it. who who what was Gravano. Gravano was yes he was a tough guy and he was a murderer but Gravano was an uh, Gravano was an earner. Right. He was a he was a blue collar gangster that paraded as a white collar gangster. That's right. He had he 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 would
1: he had a lot to benefit from taking Castellano out because Gravano stepped into a lot of those white collar rackets, construction yeah. and things like so that. Let's
2: talk about the days leading up to what actually happened to Paul Castellano.
1: Let's identify the five again. He he identifies it's Gotti. He gets Sammy Gravano to join the conspiracy. uh, Not the uh Frankie men, Frankie DiCicco. These, the, these are the conspirators. Yeah, these aren't the hitmen, the conspirators. And then, what did you say, Joe Gallo? Joe and Gallo. And he was at the time, was he the consigliere Frankie, or something? Bron- was Frank,
0: Frankie. Uh, no, Gallo was the consigliere. Consigliere for Cus.
1: So these are high-ranking guys that got him. What's
2: a Frank Faglia?
0: Jimmy Jimmy Brown. Jimmy Faglia. Those Fali- are the 5 Then um, they call it the fist or something yeah, they like that? It the fist.
1: They,
2: Why do you think they were so nonchalant? I mean, well, it is kind of nice. Well, to first lie. of all, I mean. This guy's pulling up into the car in Manhattan. He's going to walk into this place. I guess. Here's why I think that. Since the 1950s, no one has been whacked out like that. And no one ever thought that it would happen again.
1: Well, there was hy- I mean Carmen Galante, there was, was, Gal- was
0: Colombo and Galante the in the 70s, but they were right. they were different kind of hits. It was it was yeah it was Brooklyn, and they were public right. hits, right. And but they weren't in, done in the middle of evening, Manhattan right, uh, during uh, Christmas right, right. time, right? And laid them out on the street, for right? I mean to I, see. I think
1: that the difference is well, I, I get the Colombo thing. I guess that's complicated, but but the idea of Castellano was gunned down in this civilian environment, whereas Carmen Galante was gunned down at this Italian restaurant in in, in um, a neighborhood of Brooklyn, Bushwick. And, um, but I think there's there's two reasons. I think first of all, part of this is stylistic. This is gaudy, um, you know. This kind of uh, like in the movie, he says, uh, "In your face, cosa nostra." Like, like I'm gonna make a statement here. Right. Um, make no mistake, who's who's pulling this off and who's in charge. But second of all, there's there's a tactical reason. Is remember, Paul Castellano is an isolated guy. He never leaves the White House. Where are you going to whack him at? He doesn't go to social clubs. He doesn't go to the nightclubs. He doesn't go to the discotheque. Right. He doesn't go to the, That's the only place right. He goes this, is right this is right. You this is this is your opportunity you to get him all. out in the open, right. and it may be less than ideal circumstances in terms of civilians and public pro- high profile. But but this is your chance. Well, they wanted that though. Well, Gotti did. Right, wanted I Wanted to I do it in the middle of Manhattan. I agree. I, I think it suited Gotti's purposes both both ways.
2: Tommy Bellotti, another guy like Castellano. A lot of people feel they rubbed in the never deserved to be yeah. in the position he was in, and told by Castellano that at some point when this all got resolved, that he was going to be. No, he was uh, named his. Un- he
0: was named the underboss to replace DeLuca. So right, right. was underboss for two weeks before he got killed. And this
2: guy, it, pretty much, was just a driver.
0: Yeah which also muscle. shows you barely it shows you he wasn't he was the opposite of respected and feared and it shows you Castellano
1: that his the how he, he underappreciated the politics of the situation the smart move in that case would have been to appoint someone another oh, the blue smart collar move, no the smart know. move
0: would have been to name Gotti your underboss right. pull him in and then yes. whack him right. yeah yeah right the move right. would have been to name Gotti the underboss in December, and then at some point after the new year, you right. call him to he a meeting and you kill him. But he Did didn't it, know that. Yeah, it's, right. right. I don't think Castellano was
1: shrewd enough to. And that's what happened with the Col- the Colombos.
0: Uh, and a quick aside, you know, the Colombos went to war in the '90s, and then after the Colombo war settled down, uh, Car- uh, Carmine per- Persico, who was the boss, named one of the main one of his main rivals. As his underboss, just to uh, have him lower his guard, and then they kill him. So they they pull it off, and uh, Gotti
1: immediately has uh, arranges to hold court at the uh,
0: social club, where where he makes all the captains now, is that and
2: the next day or I don't, next I don't remember. It's been exactly. a
0: couple of days. He yeah, calls the meeting soon. and says. Doesn't say I killed Castellano. Oh, you don't
2: know what happened to Paul. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't say I <laughs> Whatever killed. Whatever happened to him, it happened.
0: Right, right. He, he doesn't <laughs> admit. We're going to
2: take a vote.
0: But he had, but he had arranged the vote before the meeting, where okay. he said to so you're going to, you know, I think Joe Gallo was yeah. the was Castellano, and before that Gambino's Consigliere, yeah. and Gallo realized that if he wanted to you know stay, stay alive. alive he would get behind Gotti <laughs> and Gotti went to him and another old timer by the name of uh Joe Piney Armone yes yes and, I forgot about and that. said yeah. to them right you're, you're going to be the one that are going to um put me up as right. a candidate for boss you're going to nominate right.
1: me another thing that was smart about Gotti I keep on bringing up politics here is DiCicco and Gravano up until that point were Probably Castellano considered they Castellano they were, worse. Guys. they were Castellano, and so loyalists. and so and so by and by Gotti bringing them into his circle was smart because not only for resources, but then once you remove Castellano, you don't have to worry about anybody fighting back <laughs> Castellano loyalists because he's already preemptively yeah, brought de,
0: most of them over. That's to why Chico was initially named underboss. <laughs> yes, right, because he right. represented the Castellano faction. Right, right. So that's was really smart, Machiavelli. Now Castellano. Or sorry.
2: Let's, let's talk about what happened to him. Let's
0: yeah. let's have let's talk about what happened to Frankie DeChico. Frankie DeChico was then murdered about three months later in an attempt to kill Gotti. They thought
2: right. it was Gotti in the car.
0: Um so one thing we didn't mention about this uh Castellano hit was this was not uh done through the proper channels. This right. was against mob pro Bro. Uh, mob mob protocol. Gotti did not go around to the other commission uh, members, the other mob bosses that sat on this National Board of Directors of the Mafia, known as the commission, to get their permission. If he would have, he would have been blocked, most likely, by Especially by, the chin. by the Chin Gigante, who was the boss of the Genovese, and possibly the Columbos. And also, there's just a the cliche out there, which
1: I think there's some truth to it, is it's better to ask for uh, forgiveness than
0: permission, right? (laughs) Because they're going to say no and rather just just whack them and then try to smooth that out from there. In the months after the Castellano assassination, uh, the Ching Gigante, and I believe the Lucchese's, That's right. I
1: think you're right, yeah. Uh,
0: Joined forces to try to kill Gotti. Right. And they blew up uh, a car that they believed Gotti was going to be in, but in reality it was Frank DeChico who was in the car. He got killed, and then things tamped down for a little bit. But then a couple years later, um, the Lucchese killed John Gotti's bodyguard and best friend, a guy named Bobby Right, who had had some issues, but I think some of his murder was fallout from... The, the Castellano. Yeah,
1: him. a gas pipe and Amuso. I don't. I don't think liked Gotti. I think yeah, there's. Yeah. I mean, there's surveillance pictures of them meeting with him. Those were the but,
0: Lucchese but, bosses, uh, Vic yeah. Amuso and they Anthony. Hated
1: Ka- but I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the 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 Genovese and the Lucchese, in particular, because we know we know the Bananos, We know Joey Messino liked Gotti. Yeah, they were so. Very I close. think it was the the Genovese and Lucchese families who had, particularly had a problem with what went down and, yeah. and the fashion it did. So then
0: when D'Chico got killed. Um, I believe they made Frankie Locascio underboss right. and Castellano. Or, God. Gravano. Frankie did. I can't even talk. Frankie Locascio <laughs> underboss and Gravano consiglieri. And now then at first.
2: Those tapes, though, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but there are tapes where Gotti is saying to everybody, So what do you want to do? I'm going away. Sammy, what do you want to do? You want to be boss? You want to be underboss? You want to be. How do you want to do
1: that? He said, "I think at that point he said if, if I do,' but he, at that point, Gotti was under indictment, but he beat the case. But Justin, but you have to have preparations over who's going to take your right, the hierarchy, um, because you're you're not you're not talking about when he finally went to jail because Gotti f- fought a lot of indictments. That's why they called him the Teflon Don.
0: He kept on getting right. acquitted, right? He, he was, was fixing the jury. Right, he was
1: right, so." But I don't know. I can't remember in the book, Underboss, uh, the book about Gravano. At some point, Gravano moves from Consigliere to Underboss. And I, I don't remember the whole machinations over how, yeah, I don't well, how, how that Frank happened. Would, right. You know. but, okay. If they switch spots
0: or something like that, I don't, I don't remember. It
2: sucks because he was like a victim of circumstance. <laughs> Frank so
0: Lacasio Leca- Le- 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 became Underboss. Right, uh, but actually, there was one in between the Chico and Acasio, uh Pini Armone. Yeah, right. Joe Pini at, became I, under that Vire. was at the beginning, I think. Right. Yeah. So, so at the beginning, very actually, very
2: old man, very loyal to Carlo and being
0: the two uh, the, 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 the two OGS, the two old right. schoolers that Gotti got behind them were Joe Pani Armone and Joe Gallo. And that was again really smart because
1: those are the guys that could send a signal to others that. Uh, okay, maybe we didn't, you don't know, like how that went down, but now we have to move forward. Let's keep keep the steady ship here. Uh, we don't want a war tearing apart. So again, I think that you got to give Gotti credit for identifying people that could help him secure this yeah, Ga-
0: regime change. Gallo was uh, Carlo Gambino's consigliere from the 60s. Right, right. So he had been the consigliere in that family for over 20 years when the Castellano uh, murder occurred. So if, right. if you know... Gallo wanted to have opposed Gotti. Uh, I guess it's possible, but again, he, he kind of I saw saw the writing on the wall right. and uh, jumped jumped on board with with what Gotti was trying to do. Right,
1: and then there was also uh, we mentioned uh, Carlo Gambino son Tommy Gambino, who was a, a Castellano guy, but he was uh, again from the white collar faction. He wasn't part of the muscle. So you know, there's surveillance footage of Gotti walking with him. So Gotti had to went to him just to make sure everything, because they was Castellano was would have been his what his uncle or something? Tommy Gambino, his uncle, uncle. His uncle. And, yeah. and, uncle and cousin, by the
0: way, because don't forget yeah. the Castellanos and the Gambinos are related. related to each uh, other. Yeah. So he they, they married Castellano married his cousin essentially. But talking about Gravano and Locasio, uh, they're actually back in the headlines a little bit right now. Frankie Locasio. Uh, went down with John Gotti, um, just to give people a quick refresher. Uh, The entire Gambino administration went down in a bust, I believe in 91, might have been 92, 91 or 92, and the administration at that point was Gotti as the boss, Frankie, or actually I think Frankie Loke was consigliere at the end, and and Gravano was the underboss. Uh, All three of them went down, and Gravano turned on the administration and testified against Locasio and Gotti. They were all... uh, sentenced to, to life in prison. Uh, so
1: Gotti's reign doesn't last long, just so we know, because we they kill yeah. him in
0: 85, he becomes the boss. And he's in prison by 92. Right, it, do, it yeah, doesn't like last long.
2: Of is that The downfall of the Gotti era is a bug that's planted in the Ravenite uh, building yes. upstairs. One of the apartments. Which was
0: an apartment that Gotti would use for meetings because he thought... Uh, it was secluded, and it uh, was run by the widow of I a know, former maid guy. guy that had right. been part of De La Croce's crew, and they bugged, I believe, a lamp uh, where he would go up and they would talk business. They would talk murders. And, in fact, what's going on right now, so Gravano's been out for 20 or 15 right. and then years. When
2: they went to trial, Sammy Gravano
0: flips. flips. Right. And puts Lacasio and Gotti in prison. Gotti has died. Gotti died in 02. Lacasio is still alive and wow. fighting for his freedom and right now getting help from Sammy Gravano. Sammy Gravano has uh, jumped on board with uh, Lacasio's uh, appeal team and has signed affidavits claiming that uh, one of the mur- or the one murder that Lacasio was convicted of in this conspira- in this racketeering conspiracy, which I believe was the Louis de Bono murder, um, TB. I believe it was a Louis De Bono murder, and that's really what's keeping Lacasio in prison right now. He would have been able to get out uh, on parole if it wasn't for that murder. And Gravano is coming forward saying, um, not only did Frankie Lacasio not not only was Frankie Lacasio not involved in the murder conspiracy to kill De Bono, he was actually advising Gotti against killing De Bono. And that Gotti was so upset with Lacasio not falling in line behind what Gotti wanted to do, he demoted him. Uh, so if they can prove that in the appeal, Frankie Lucasio will have a chance to get out of prison and it's no, been so actually been being written about in the New York papers like this month.
2: Right. So speaking of Frankie Lucasio, there's a, there's a news story that's out right now.
1: Yeah, about some about of the that. people that he was close with, his his son, Salvatore Lucasio, was he's a captain. And and some of the guys that he's close with, um, were indicted recently scott can probably
0: show yeah, they more were indicted in last uh, in the last week
2: but the weird thing is a lot of people ask me that you know to say oh he's a captain he's something but i thought that was all dead now that it doesn't exist anymore well that's not true <laughs>
0: oh the mob, the mob yeah. is alive and well <laughs> yeah it doesn't have the power or cachet it had back in the 50s and 60s and 70s believe me these guys exist especially uh, they're in thriving in the shadows Yeah. And since 9 11, there's been so much federal uh, law enforcement attention at terrorism. Right. These guys have kind of slipped through the cracks. A lot of them have.
1: Yeah, right. There's kind of resuscitating some of that. But But who are the. Name the guys who. The two
0: big members of the Gambinos that were indicted last week were uh, a capo named Andy Campos and then a soldier by the name of Richie from the Bronx, Martino. Um, or Richard Martino. They call him Richie from the Bronx. And uh, they're both very close to Salvatore Lacasio. In fact, I believe there's a picture that's been floating around. Yeah. Uh, a prison photo of Frankie Lacasio huh. with. Both of those with guys. With Campos and uh, Richie Martino. Um, and they actually have some interesting backstory uh, for both those guys. Andy Campos um, was childhood friends with Puffy Combs. Um, played football. P-, P.
1: Diddy for the young.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Play, <laughs> played high school football with uh, P Diddy and was the quarterback was I believe was an all all-state quarterback um, in the 80s on, on the team that puffy played on
2: Bob Vernon.
0: there's uh, some rumors that when puffy got bad boy records off the ground in 1993 uh, that some of the startup money had come from Campos uh, and then you also have the 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 um, I guess the, the mini controversy that, that surrounds Campos is that uh, his ethnicity. It, the people be, you know, the, the ethnicity question with him. Hmm. The belief is that he's Puerto Rican and has kind of been parading as an Italian, and that it's kind of like a willful ignorance by people in the Gambino crime family because Campos is such a uh, such a, a, a earner. And is such a great racketeer and mobster that they want him as a part of their family and that they're willing to kind of look the other way and pretend that they don't know that he's Puerto Rican and just go go along the, the, the along go along with this white lie that, that he's that he's Italian.
1: Yeah, just a shameless plug for one of our earlier episodes when we interviewed Jack Garcia who was went undercover as an FBI agent and uh, created this persona, Jack Falcone, infiltrated the Gambino crime family. We interviewed him on an earlier episode, check that out. Um he he, he specifically says that he he has doubts about this this person's ethnicity <laughs> whether or not they're Italian. So you have to go back and listen to that episode and hear what hear his take on. And then on
0: Richie Mart the one thing I want to say about Richie Martino uh Richie Martino pioneered the entire uh concept of internet racketeering like in the late 90s early 2000s um richie martino let the new york mob know that there was tons of money to be made and in internet rackets and porn sites and uh you know any way you can get your hands on people's credit cards and credit card numbers uh and they made tens of millions of dollars he actually went to prison for it and came out i think uh, in the last five or six years
1: i I'm, I'm jumping around here but i think speaking of the garcia episode we did Lacazio's son wasn't he part of that scores shakedown? Yeah, the strip club. So yeah. it kind of all comes full circle. Um, another story in the news is that the person who is we think is the uh, person who murdered uh, Frank I Kelly. I think, I think we're pretty confident.
0: That yeah, I, I think there's video. Killed, I think there's
1: video killed Frank Video Kelly. footage of it actually. Um, who was the
0: Godfather, or was the acting boss or underboss of the Gambino crime family? And there hadn't been a. Uh, a, a mob assassination right. since Castellano—that high
1: level of a person—and yeah. And
0: everyone was. This happened last spring, and everyone was sure it had something to do with some inner turmoil in the in the New York mob and the, between the Gambino, or, you know, within the Gambino crime family, possibly between the Sicilian faction and the American faction. Right. But at the end of the day, it just turned out to be really just kind of a a, a crazy nut job that had been dating his niece. <laughs> And, uh, yeah
1: it seems like i mean that there was a story recently about him and the, the it seems like the um the defense is that that's going to be their defense is that he the the internet conspiracies drove this unbalanced person to kill the crime boss Frank Cali and it it i i can't think of any we've talked about this in other episodes i can't think of any other case study in the history of organized crime that that matches this. It's so bizarre. I call it the Sirhan Sirhan of yeah. It seems like mob. Yeah, it seems like a guy who, at times, you think maybe there's some kind of broader conspiracy, and then other times you think maybe this guy was just fucking crazy. <laughs> this guy just has mental health issues, and Callie was the wrong wrong
0: place at the wrong time, or that his niece, you know, <laughs> had dated this, this he, guy. I mean, I, the, the way that the the mo of the hit. It, it seemed like it could be a mob hit in right. the way it took place. Right. He bumps into the guy's car, which gets the guy to come out of his house. Right. He then you know, hands him over the license plate that he had accidentally knocked off by backing into his car. Right. The, uh, supposedly, or what it looked like, Galley then takes the license plate, goes into his car to grab his insurance, what it looked like to exchange insurance with this guy, and as he turns his back... He uh, shot him, what, guy, nine times? You know, this guy like takes that? his gun out and unloads
1: on him. So it's very bizarre, but and also we're talking about this not only because it's in the news and it has to do with the Gambino family, which is our topic today, but also Frank Calley, um, if you look at the genealogy of the Gambino crime family, it's really fascinating. A lot of these individuals, especially within the Sicilian faction, are related to each other. So not only are the Gambinos and Castellanos related to each other, they're related to the uh, Inzerillos, which is another mafia family, Transatlantic family with with members in Sicily and New York, and Frank Cali was, was part birth, of that faction. And it was brother in
0: laws with Paul right. Pete Insirillo, right? Who is a major player in the in the New York mob and in you know allegedly in the in the uh, mob narcotics record.
1: right? So and they're they're indirectly related to Castellano. So again, it's kind of interesting how these things come full circle.
2: All right, I want to thank everybody for joining us on the OG podcast. We'll talk to you next week.